Welcome everyone to the first of many OrgonFX podcasts beyond EMF. Today's podcast, we're going to focus on a subject which is a favourite of mine based around Halloween and spooky stories and haunted house. And in my consultancy work over the years, I've been through many, many, many houses where there's been some entity energies going on. With me, joining me today in this first podcast is a longtime colleague, friend of mine, Anthony Kilner, who's a very, very gifted psychic medium who has a hell of a lot of experience in this area too. So Anthony, welcome to the podcast. And can you tell me a little bit about your history and what you've been up to. Thank you for a lovely welcome there. <laughs> we have known each other for a very long time and I was trying to work that out the other day. I couldn't quite put a figure on it, but it certainly goes back into the early 2000s, I think, from memory. I remember meeting you at Guardian Angel one afternoon for some event where you were talking and I was talking. It was the first time. It's like we'd known each other forever too. <laughs> it's a bit like that. So yeah, I'm psychic medium, as you said. I'm also an author, editor, publisher love working with spirit and all forms of spirit. I've worked in the ghost tour business and apart from running my own business, Bridging Realms, which has been around as long as I've been doing it. And just absolutely passionate about all things spirit. And of course, a lot of my ghost investigations and things like that have been around Halloween. I've had a hell of a lot of fun at times, especially at the old Geelong jail doing spooky stuff. So that's the little basics of who I am and big into sound healing and energy works. It's a really important part of well-being and being happy. Just as you mentioned Geelong Jail, I think I attended one or two of those ghost tours with you with AGA. Mm -hmm. I had some really interesting things happen to me there, like being pushed into a door, being drawing the, the shortest straw to take the highest level for my tour where the hand railing was not much higher than knee height. <laughs> Stories of the tour that went into the shower room, eventually seeing wet footprints across the floor and the showers didn't work and there was no water in there at all. The other psychic medium, she said as soon as she got in there, she felt like she was being punched, physically being harmed by something invisible. It was quite an interesting tour, that one. Had some great times at the Old Geelong Jail through AGA and the things that I've had to sort of investigate there like timber that has fallen from nowhere and hit people and stuff like that. But then I've also had a lot of fun times there where some of our sleepovers, we would hide in a cell and just wait for someone to walk in in the dark. And you just, you don't even have to yell boo. You just literally go, oh, g'day. And they jump out of their skin because they're so energetic. But on the funny side of doing this sort of work, I was working on the top level at the old Geelong jail. And we used to, you might remember the story about the prisoner that fell down and bent one of the bars and died from that top level. Well, part of our tour would throw a dummy down while people are standing on that second level. And so I grabbed the dummy and I said, oh, I'm going to do it really quietly. And everyone's sort of standing on the, underneath me. And I've thrown this dummy down and screamed at the top of my voice. And everyone walked up the stairs rubbing the back of their head because they jumped so much they hit the big wall behind them. So it's definitely had some fun, but there's also a, obviously a, a more serious aspect to it all too. I remember first time we got there, we walked in, we established ourselves where we were in the jail. Then I found these stairs which led up into an addition to the jail, which was a hospital. 
walked up there and I was reading the different energies in there from the sick and dying people in there from all the death imprints. I came back downstairs and I said to one of the guys who was running it, their son who was there, he was about 15, 16, I said, come up here, this is really interesting because I can't remember the son's name, but he was really with it and with the energy of the whole thing. When I ran back upstairs into this dark room again for the second time, something had pushed a table in front of the doorway, which I could not see because it was pitch black. So I ran straight into this table and the table hit my thigh really, really hard and it hurt. It really hurt. But no one had been up there since me going up there the first time, which, which was an interesting experience. Yeah, so that would have been Gary's son, Aaron. And the hospital, they actually closed that for quite a long time when AGA stopped doing tours there quite a, quite a few years ago now. And Ron has passed into the spirit world and he was one of the main directors, I guess, along with Gary. And I actually somehow managed to get a triple exposed digital photo. And don't ask me how that works, but you can clearly see three sets of wall shadow people and in the middle of it there's this one person that is out of place that I can't work out what it is and of course you can just see they look like they're in a gown and I found out later that a lady had died giving birth in that hospital as well because there used to be a lot of women in the hospital. Yeah interesting what was the lighthouse tour we did? You did the Cape Otway tour. We did two down there. We did a, an investigation, which you were part of. We looked at the lighthouse, then we looked at the telegraph station. Then there was another one for the lighthouse opening weekend where all the lighthouses around Australia were open to the public. And we did the tour and everyone from the tour decided to go home. By that time, it was about three o'clock in the morning. I was exhausted. So I, I thought I'd just stay the night in the what was the old lighthouse keeper's quarters. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I scored the master bedroom with the double bed, which was nice and big and comfy. So I think I went to bed about 3.30. And from 3.30 till 7.30, I had four or five sleep paralysis attacks. That is, for people who don't know what a sleep paralysis attack is, if you've never experienced it, you're lying in bed, you're dreaming away, you're having a bad dream, actually. And and you're trying to escape something in my eyes this is how these happen and all of a sudden you're waking up and you're paralyzed you can't move sometimes you can't breathe but this night every time i woke up as i was waking up i had a wet hairy head and you could feel the long gray curly wet hair and i knew what was happening I was like oh, okay okay so i'd go back to sleep but the next time i went to sleep i'd be like the dog sleeping one eye open one eye closed trying to sleep because i was dog tired and again same thing happened, happened about four or five times by the time sun came up, I was out of there. I was not going to drive out of there at night time. I don't know if you can remember, but driving into Cape Otway, the trees are all bent over and mangled. It's actually a really spooky place going down there. And I remember observing the, how weird the trees were and how there was this strange energy. So I, I wasn't going to drive out there at 3.30 in the morning. No way in the world. <laughs> yeah, I've been there a while ago. And yeah, I've heard quite a few stories of a person in the main house that would be annoying people sleeping there, that sort of thing. So it's not a, an uncommon occurrence down there, apparently. There was that episode that happened in the 1970s where it was a young pilot in a Cessna 172 disappeared just off Cape Otway. He was on his way down to Flinders or King Island, I can't remember, in a single-engine light aircraft. You follow the coast as far south, that is Cape Otway, and off you go to the island. Mm-hmm. And he disappeared and Rumour has it there was a, um interaction with a UFO because he said he in, in the transcript, which you can find on the internet, he said he was inverted and pilots just don't fly inverted for nothing. It's funny. I actually watched a video about that and I think we covered it in one of the issues of Supernal where they're talking about the Bermuda Triangle and how planes seem to go in and somehow they're flying in inverted state and come out somewhere else. 
And so, yep. yeah, and it's all to do with cloud formations and all sorts of other weird energy stuff, which is not really my forte, but I found that that video rather fascinating because it explains a lot of why so many things disappeared in that area. Long, long before I got involved with manufacturing radiation harmonizers and being a building biologist, I remember when I was in my early 20s, my wife and I, at the time, Amanda and I, built a new house in Frankston. And the first day we moved in, she said she saw someone looking in the end window in the bedroom. So me and the neighbours who were there that night rushed outside to see who was the peeping Tom. There was no one there. Then a few weeks later, interesting things always happen around 11.30 at night. I would be falling asleep, then I would have a sleep paralysis attack. And at the same time, Amanda would see standing in the doorway of the bedroom a bloke, a male dressed in khaki pants, so army pants only, bare-chested with colours coming out of his chest. And she would not have a slip paralysis attack. I'd have it, but she would see that. And that happened on more than two or three occasions. And in that house, we had a wood heater and a ceiling fan. And, you know, to turn a wood heater fan on, it's click, 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 and the same with the ceiling fan. I'd wake up at 1.32 every morning, or some mornings, and I'd hear the ceiling fan on and the wood heater fan. I'd get up and go and turn them off and thought, who, who? Who turned these on? You know, because we'd always make a point of turning them off before we went to bed. But we know now who turned them on was the bloke in the khaki pants. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I just want to jump in too for your listeners. Sleep paralysis is a really interesting thing because it happens a lot more than most people realize. And I worked on a theory a few years back about it. And that is our physical body is very heavy. And when our spirit body goes off into the astral, which is different to dreaming in my world, But when it goes off into the astral, your physical body gets very heavy. And so that doesn't respond because you need your soul energy that your spirit body has to actually enable you to move more freely. And so you get very heavy. So if your spirit body is out in the astral having an experience, your body becomes heavy solid then you can still have an interaction with the spirit person like you said the gray-haired old man or the guy in the khaki pants you can actually still interact with them but your body just feels so dense and heavy that you can't move and so when your spirit body comes back into your body it becomes all enlightened again and more animated and of course that's the ending of the sleep paralysis as well so just a, a slightly different take on on it from my view based on a bit of work that and research that i did on sleep paralysis because I have experienced it. So I understand totally how freaky and upsetting it can be for somebody when it happens for them the first time. Oh, yeah. Thank God it doesn't happen to me anymore because I've worked out from a long time ago, as I said, with my house consultancy work, 99 or 99.99% of the time of the house consults I do in person in Melbourne, it's always for when there's been a death on the land and there's been entity interaction or a lot of times I don't even know that there's been a death. The last consult I had in Melbourne where there was a death in the property was a house in Bond Beach. There were actually three deaths on the one property. There were three death imprints. Mm-hmm. And the energy, if you've got a death in the property, then you've got worst type of radiation you could ever imagine because from the death imprint, that charge is so strong that it develops a geoelectric current across the ground to the boundaries of your property. Then the whole property is engulfed in radiation charge. And then the entity itself, its ability to move around the house, which emanates from the death imprint. Something else I'd like to talk about too is about orbs. Going back to the Geelong Jail episodes, I found somewhere on the internet, I, don't, I think I found it on AGA's website before it did shut down, 
a photo of me standing in the courtyard holding a pair of divining rods and there's an orb shooting straight across in front of me and it was caught by the photo and I actually remember seeing it. Mm-hmm. The whole orb things really got me intrigued, especially after seeing a few Facebook pages where they talk about spooky photos and photos of ghosts and things like that and there's some lots of them on the internet. You just have to go and find them. I also went and researched some old family photos of another house we lived in where there were lot, there was lots of orb activity and in that house also there had been a death in that house. I don't experience orbs anymore because of having geoclins and stellodome around me all the time, which if there has been a death, it removes the imprint. You've got some information about orbs too, which was very interesting, which we discussed that time. Yeah, orbs are one of the biggest, I don't know, misunderstood things in the paranormal world, just in my experience. As a photographer, I know that you can get light reflecting through the lens, creating an orb scenario. And what we sort of do with that space is we've got to look at what the orb is. And so there's a couple of things to consider. So first off, a lot of paranormal stuff is done in dusty old buildings. And so you quite often you'll kick up a bit of dust and and you'll see something there in your photos and stuff like that. You'll see light moving around sometimes, like, like in your case in the courtyard, I've seen orbs moving around and what orbs are in my world as the the medium is the connection back to the soul group of the person that lived or passed there. When spirit comes around us, we get a sense of them being there. They come in how we would have known them. And that's because that soul connection, that orb goes back to there. So you've got orbs moving around all over the place with spirit connection. So orbs from elementals are another thing that people don't quite often get. I got a series of photos of an orb, a blue orb, moving through my bathroom that I'd been renovating. And it was a series of three or four photographs that I took. And it started at the bottom. And by the third photo, just going click, 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 it was up the top and moving off the page. So you could clearly see that was something moving in the shot. When you look at an orb, and this is what I tend to look for. So in a paranormal sense, I don't go out to try and find spirit. I go out to try and find everything that I can disprove that would cause a noise or a sound or a light or a reflection or something like that. And so where most people go, oh, well, I'm going ghost hunting. Well, I don't go looking for the ghost. I look for everything around it that can then say to me, well, there's nothing left that can be. It must be a ghost, so to speak. And so in an orb, You can quite often in a good one, you'll see the face of a person, whereas if it's more dust, it's a particle, so it has a sort of a shape to it. And quite often orbs, now this is another really interesting story, but I said to a friend of ours, we were in a car one time, we were coming home and there was myself and Jane and our two friends, and I just said, hey, are you guys getting pregnant? Because I just saw a blue orb kicking around and that generally means that there's a boy waiting to be born. And I got kicked by Jane and I'm going, what are you kicking me for? (laughs) And then my friend in the front seat says, oh, we just got told today that we can't have children. And I've just gone rubbish. There's a blue orb there. They're waiting for you. And not even six weeks later, she rang me up screaming down the end of the phone that I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, and I'm going to have a little boy. And she did. And so, you know, from someone, a family that was told they weren't going to have kids and they got like four. So orbs quite often can represent children in a sense. So you've got your elemental orbs, you've got your kid orbs, you've got the orbs that are floating around that are connections to the spirit world. There's all these different things, but nine times out of 10, a lot of orbs, unfortunately, are just dust particles kicked up in an old building or in the dirt or something like that. And you can see lots of them, but when you bring them up and amplify them, they're just a normal particle shape. So the moral to this story is if you see an orb before you hop in a bed. <laughs> Oh, 
idea. Yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. And if you don't, just be very careful. Uh, yeah. yeah. I used to have a long, long time ago a photo I took one New Year's Eve at night time of what was supposed to be fireworks down at Painsville, Gippsland. Mm-hmm. We were standing at a fence line in a paddock overlooking another paddock looking towards Painsville. And the fireworks didn't come out very well because it was a crappy camera. But what came out, it was a plethora of orbs all the way through the shot. That shot was taken into that dark paddock, which was really, really interesting. They weren't dust because they were perfectly formed, but they weren't bright orbs. They were more of a transparent orb. Yep. And there would have been hundreds of them. Yeah. it's Look, it's so subjective. I say to people, you've probably heard of the word pareidolia, and pareidolia is where you see like a cloud and you look up and go, it looks like a rabbit, or you look into a trees and you see a face. Well, pareidolia is a, a scientific term for what you see in what you have, not necessarily what is there. And so I just say to people, look, it looks like that. If it feels right for you, perfect. Until you get something that is a lot more freaky about how things were there. And so as a professional photographer working in magazines and all that sort of stuff for a very long time, I used to get frustrated because I'd get orbs, especially out in the bush, appearing in my shots. And one of the classic ones was I sent a copy of this. And then when I went back to find the shot, the orb was gone and the shot was clear. And he saw the orb in the shot that I sent him. So it's really interesting how it can all work. And generally they're around for a reason other thing I'd like to touch on is the phenomenon of people experiencing seeing little children in houses where there's been a death on the property. And the amount of times and the consistency of that one story leads me to believe that the person that died in that house wasn't a little child. And in some cases, the people in the house are aware of the type of person or of the person that did die. It might have been a relative or someone who may be elderly, but still they see these little children, like a little girl in a dress or a little boy, which isn't consistent with who the person was that died. Did you throw any light on that? Yeah, that, I find that fascinating. I really do because you go around and you and you see where are these children coming from and why are they there. And so one of the things that I've worked with is a lot of dealing with kids that aren't sleeping properly. So they're seeing things in the middle of the night and they'll quite often talk about the little girl or the little boy that's in the room with them. Yeah. And I think, wow, and then parents have seen other children. And I had this experience where I thought one of my kids was in the hallway and I've sort of looked up to go, which kid's out of bed? And the kids are all in bed, yet I clearly saw the shape of a child in my hallway. Now that phenomena is really interesting and so not everybody can have a dead child in their room and what I've sort of come to the conclusion of and it's certainly not 100% proven yet but that elementals elemental beings so divas and the people from like leprechauns and all that sort of stuff right which all supposedly come around at Halloween but they're around us anyway take the form of whatever they want to take the form of and so to avoid scaring the child they take the form of a child. That's one of the things, the elemental beings. You know, a lot of people think we're crazy if we're talking about sprites and divas and the animal collective and the plant domain and that the fact that trees and plants and even grass and rocks have a consciousness of some description. So the elemental kingdom, they operate on a different vibrational level to us. And if you talk to most people, you would find these things seem to happen at night and that's when the vibration of everyone's slowing down because they're getting to ready to go to bed, that sort of thing. And their vibration is a bit slower than ours because they're more connected into the earth. And so therefore, they come out more at night 
and that's when why the kids don't sleep because there's always the kid there trying to play with them being a bit silly and that sort of thing so that happened a lot to me over the years and one of the more interesting ones was up at Montrose where they had a these people had a new baby and the baby wouldn't settle in the room take it out of the room it had settled go in there and there's a bathroom right next door to it and they'd quite often walk in and then that bathroom the tap would be running and so it was a water elemental that was impacting the room so we went in there and I said right okay so this is what we've got happening turn the taps off said to the elemental look we're going to build you a wet temple outside so we got a pond together and some other bits and pieces said that's where you go and play that baby never had a problem sleeping in that room again interesting my two daughters, when they were very young, in a house in, they lived in Frankston, where I mentioned before, where we had to, had family photos where orbs show up. Occasionally, they would see a little girl at night time at the top of the stairs in their section of the house. And just talking about children a lot, a lot of my consultancy work comes from children complaining to the parents that they don't want to go to bed at night time. Or like you were saying, they can't sleep at night time, something is spooking them. Or they say that they're seeing an apparition of something. And the parents are just going, oh whatever and the children keep on hounding the parents to a point that the parents go right we'll do something about it we'll get someone in so they call me i look at the house beforehand i tell straight away when i say beforehand i look at it with google earth i can tell straight away that there's been a death there and when you get there you're actually explaining to the parents now the children aren't just making this up they're actually for real there is something going on here they are seeing things just that as we get older we lose that ability to be in that zone of being able to perceive them I did an interesting experiment a long time ago in a house, another house we lived in where there'd been death, where about two o'clock in the morning, I sat up in the lounge room and at the other end of the house, I had a light on. So the, in the lounge room, it was dark, but there was some light in the background. And I just sat back and observed and you could see these apparitions of people slowly moving around the house or the lounge room area and the hallway area. It was quite interesting. I wasn't scared. I knew what it was, but it was I'd set up the correct lighting, but I don't know how I did I, I how I came to do that, but I just set the lighting up correctly. I fluked it, so to speak, and that's what I saw. I find it amazing because when we talk about deaths and stuff like that and interdimensional because essentially that's what we're talking about is a vibration and so quite often kids will talk about oh yeah it looks like grandmother and they'll point out a photo and that's what it is and the conditioning that occurs from parents from children so children have a quite a high vibration yet they're not encumbered by preconditioned thoughts so they're not told it's not a special friend or it's an invisible friend it's not an invisible friend and blah 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 and we get conditioned out of it like you say as we get older too our vibration slows down we're talking two ends of the scale in that space and so what i find interesting is everything as we know works on a vibration everything every part in our body works on a vibration our dna has its own vibration the earth has its vibration and so even if we talk about a multi-dimensional sort of facet in this space why do we see people moving around in different places well if we consider a multiverse this sounds a little bit crazy for most people but consider a multiverse and funnily enough the doctor strange movies are probably really close to a, a reality in some respects or the matrix is another one it's very common if there's a multiverse, so there's universes or multiverses working within there, so you're going to have a whole lot of people moving through your house, for example, or in a location that are connected in a different reality for them. And so, yeah, so there's that aspect of where the vibration's coming from and how we're attuned to it and then see it. 
using a red light when we run class, for example, of my circles, the red light is in one way takes you back to the days of when they used to practice spiritualism around a fire. And so they'd all sit around the fire and they'd talk. So we have that red there, but also the red light gives us an ability to see a breakdown in the energy better. And so you'll see the outlines of people under a red light as different to say a green light or a blue light for healing or energy work. So depending on what you're trying to do, it's really interesting that we're attuning our eyes to see at a certain vibration all the way across. So everything comes back to that vibration and then how we perceive it. It's interesting. Like a question that's come to me a couple of times from the client who's got me in to do the consult where there's been a ghost in the house and the children only are seeing it and the question is why do they see it i could probably see this is coming from the client who might be you know my age or younger why is it them and not me well one thing i do in my consultancy work is we go room to room and when i I say room to room we're checking for different things in different rooms and in the bedrooms what i'm looking for to see if there's a charge a radiation charge, a bioplasmic or human-generated radiation charge over the bed. And that indicates the health and well-being of the people who are living there or the people who previously lived there because these days where we place our beds, especially in master bedrooms, it's, you don't have a lot of choice. You're putting it where someone else has been mm-hmm. sleeping. When you go into the children's bedrooms, and especially if they're physically and emotionally, spiritually happy kids, you know, good, good, wholesome families, the energy over the children's bed has a, a what I call a negative charge, a very nice, bright, lovely energy. Well, the entities to me, the ghost or the apparition or whatever you want to call it, they have a very strong positive charge. And what is happening is that the positive charge of the entity is being drawn to the negative charge of the energy of the child in the bedroom. That's why it's seen in that part of the house, not so much other bedrooms of the house. Mm -hmm. And the energy of the ghost, which is to me is an information energy field left from the death, it is directed up and down hallways. That's why you often hear people Mm -hmm. saying, I hear footsteps or see something or a Mm -hmm. movement up and down the hallways, which is really interesting. And another thing I do in those houses to demonstrate to the people that there's been a death is with mirrors. And that is in a house where there's been a death on the land, there's a charge that comes off the mirrors in front of it. And I get people to use their hands as sensors to feel this charge coming off the mirrors. Look, and again, you know, you're talking about energy in a positive and a negative fashion. Most people don't get it until it's explained to them. But if we think about the energy that we're giving off and we attract what we want in it. So we quite often say when you're a light worker, you're like the lighthouse that we talked about, you know, the light gets brighter and brighter. And of course, that attracts everything around you. So the more energy that you have, the more that you're going to attract spirits. Now, not all spirits are bad spirits. So clear that up straight away. And I guess the the main thing I would want to say is that spirit can come around us for a variety of reasons. You know, we have our guides, we have our loved ones that are in the spirit world as well. We have our pets that come around us and that sort of space. That attracting to the energy, kid energy is just so pure and so amazingly good. It's not surprising that spirits of a type will come around them as you're discussing. We're looking at it from maybe two sides of a coin, but it's still coming back to that same space in the middle. What I'm talking about is the residual energy left by the person at the time of death. It's a death imprint, which is a bioplasmic radiation field to me, Mm -hmm. which can be and is mobile in a house, especially at nighttime. But I remember a consult I had in Mount Martha probably about six, seven years ago. I remember in this consult saying to the woman, the person died right there. And we were chatting away. Then all of a sudden, I checked back to that exact same spot where the energy was. And I found it was actually moving around behind us. 
I think in that space, it's very interesting because spirit energy has the ability to move around depending on the conscious awareness of the spirit. And so for listeners to this podcast, it'd be interested to know that everything is energy and the walls, what we think are solid, are actually not solid and they can hold energy. So you can have bad, and this is what you're talking about, you know, you've got an imprint because the energy is there whether it's your clothing, whether it's your jewellery, whether it's the house walls, the roof, it holds an energy in that space. And there's no good or bad in that energy. It's an energy. And that's essentially what you're picking up on is that frequency of the imprint. Exactly. That's why buying secondhand jewellery, like rings and things like that, you've got to really clear the residual energy off it left by the person that was wearing it mm -hmm. because it's information energy field. Like when I was talking about when I checked the bed spaces, if I find that there's an energy over bed, which is a very dense energy, that's the information energy field of the person that was ill, had an illness physically and emotionally or both, who was a previous occupant of the house. And what can happen there is that you sleep in that energy, you'll because it's an information energy field, you can take on the symptoms of the person that was sleeping there beforehand. But you're taking that on. That's why a lot of people, when they go and stay in motels and things like that, just cannot sleep because God knows how many people slept in that bed in what sort of emotional states, escaping from whatever, how many times. That's why, you know, everywhere I go, take a stellodome or whatever and have a good night's sleep. Don't get that interference going on. It's a really interesting point too that you bring up about that. We talk about psychometry and psychometry for a medium psychic is holding an old ring or some clothing or something like that and getting information off that. And for a person that does really, really good psychometry, so someone that's really practiced at it, can actually go right back to where that bit of clothing was manufactured, for example, or a ring was manufactured. And yeah. so that way because the energy is stored in that metal or in that jewellery or in that clothing. I remember getting given an, an object to hold. Now, I couldn't see it. It was in the dark. It didn't take long to realise it was a knife of some sort, but I did see an eagle and I did see a whole lot of other stuff connected with this knife. And when they turned the light on and they showed it to me, it was actually a knife that belonged to a person that was in the SS in, during the war, during Hitler's reign. And so that was where the eagle came from. It was all part of that whole thing. So you can really get a lot of information about the energy by tapping into it. And of course, you do one way and a, and a medium will go into a place and do it. And by feeling into that energy or connecting into that energy, I use white sage apart from your products, because I've been a big fan of your products for a long time, as you know, I go in there and I'll use sage to help cleanse the space as well. I found that has been using white sage has been a very good cleanser for that sort yep. of space. And so again, whether it which product you use, it, it doesn't really matter because as long as they work, that's the main thing. The other part of that is understanding why they're there in the first place. And that I think is the more important part of what you do with your consults and what I've always done. And that is to work out, okay, what sort of spirit is in the room? Is it just energy? Is it elemental? Is it a person that's a ghost? What defines a ghost? And that's the mm. other interesting question because spirit in my world, spirit, and I know this is a part of your world too, comes in different forms. So you have elemental beings, which are more of our ghosts. So they're the ones that are here, that are sort of stuck here, that are moving around, want to give information, and they sort of loop. And then you have emotional beings, which are your children. Then you have mental beings, which is more your adults. Then you have astral beings, which are all heart-centered. And corporal beings, they can move backwards and forwards through time and space. And so if you think about all those different types of spirit or ghost for want of a better term ghost really encompasses everything 
But most times when I've encountered spirit that have a problem, whether it's at a haunting or something like that, it's because the spirit there needs to share a message. And so we get the message out as well. So whereas you're dealing with imprints is one thing, spirits are another. You know, so it's a really interesting mix between the two. Yeah, I had a really interesting consult last year where they had a geoclins in the house, so there was no energy disturbance or anything like that going on. But one of the children was a girl about 16 years old. Her in particular, I think there were three girls in the family, was being interacted with by spirit and all sorts of weird things were going on like she was saying that she was standing in the kitchen one afternoon and lemons in a bowl which were probably five feet away from her just kept on popping out and was as if someone invisible was throwing them at the things like that and what was going on was that this spirit was most likely a past relative or something known to the girl who was trying to give her a message to do, to not to do something which would harm her health just because her boyfriend had taken that particular medicine which was harming his health. Mm-hmm. And it was like the spirit was saying, no, don't, don't, and it was trying to get her attention. They had no idea what was going on. They thought the house was haunted, but it wasn't haunted because they had a jail cleanse. It was a very out-of-the-box, very unusual scenario, but it was actually really, really quite fascinating. Yeah. I love those sorts of interactions because when things go bang, like, you know, you've been to my studio. Yeah, I walk into my studio and the gong will just go bong out of nowhere, you know, and it's like, oh, morning, (laughs) to say hello to everybody. And I love those sorts of interactions where we were at a a haunted location, Willow Court, over in Tasmania, and we were sitting down having a bit of a chat, and we had all this equipment set up, and of course, there was one spirit there, but that spirit had multiple personalities, and it was really interesting because I was able to get each personality to be talking and giving information through a different meter. There was audible stuff going on. All the like videos just ran out of batteries in minutes. One of their machines, because I don't really use machines other than divining rods. And so what was really interesting about that is it took a little bit for me to get my head around having three different conversations with three people operating three different meters and all the one spirit that they had multiple personalities. Yeah, it's interesting how spirit seems to, in, how I'd say, enjoy interacting with someone who's proficient with a pair of set of divining rods. Oh. I'm starting to have a conversation with them, like yes, no answers. I've also had a situation, and I've heard this from other people, it wasn't a situation, it was an experience within a house in Dalesford a long, long time ago. It was a house I'd stayed in for one night because I was up visiting friends and it got late at night, so they said, you can stay here. At this house, I could not sleep. And while I was lying in bed, it felt like someone very heavy sat on the bed because the bed dropped down about that far and came back up. I've experienced it again in a very subtle way in another house in Dindalukan many years later. It was quite unusual to have that physical experience as i said it felt like someone probably weighed about oh you know in stone probably 16 stones sitting on the bed then standing up again there's no one there i've stayed in a friend's house for the first time and their house is like over 100 and something years old up in the country and i woke up and i had spirits sitting around me everywhere from different eras talking to me and it was like this is crazy i gotta get some sleep guys you know and it was really interesting talking about the weight on the bed though this reminds me of a a story from barwon park mansion my first experience there was talking to marianne and, and marianne was in one of the rooms upstairs and there was a bed up there and she explained that she used to look out that window and she had ms and 
back in the day they would put leg irons on them so that they could sort of walk and move around and stuff like that because their legs were all wobbly and so she explained that she wasn't well and that you know they'd get her up the stairs and that was her room she was only about 13 years old and we were up there and I would play the flute the Native American flute and she started to interact with me and then I remember when Gary came in she was holding my hand and, and two fingers on my left hand went to ice because she was hiding behind me she didn't like Gary's energy she just grabbed my two fingers and with my hand behind my back my two fingers were just ice everything else was warm like we we're talking a warm night we were not talking freezing cold night and so one of the things we did that night and I'm not sure where the film is I know there's film of it you could see the handprints go into the top of the bed that was made and then the footprints and then her jumping on the bed and you could see the footprints wow. Now, that wasn't uncommon for her up in that room. Now, I found out she's not a ghost. She wasn't stuck there. She's actually a corporal being. And she comes around me a lot if I'm playing the flute. And I've, I've okay. actually created um, what's called Marianne's Waltz. That's the music. So she liked the flute, but she didn't like the music I played on the flute. So she actually helped me to work out Marianne's Waltz. And so I play it. And when I play it, she tends to come around. But the other interesting thing, we were doing a tour there. And this is back in the days of AGA. And they were filming and I had probably close to 20 people in my group. And I said, look, she doesn't always do it. I made the bed. You can all see that the bed's clean. Like there's just enough light, as you know, on a tour, there's just enough light. And then all these people saw the handprints and the footprints going in on the bed. It wasn't an isolated scenario of a one-off. This happened on a regular occasion. And for one group, potentially, and not the follow-up group. There's so many different stories out there for how to interact with spirit and what they do and how they do it. You mentioned cold. That house I lived in in my early 20s, as I said before, we had a wood heater. And I remember one particular night we had the next door neighbours over for a, a drink and some dinner. And it was a cold night and we had the wood heater absolutely cranked up. I'd made the best fire in the world. It was pumping <laughs> so much heat. Amanda, my wife at the time and I, we could not get warm. No matter what we did, we could not get warm. All we were getting with chills down their back and just cold. And here's the next door neighbours taking layers off, going, geez, it's hot in here and we're sitting there like this. And we just could not get warm at all. Yeah. And again, that's another phenomenon that I hear from my clients in the consultancy work. Like so-and-so in a particular room just can't get warm. You walk in there and it's not cold at all. That's a very common thing. So we talk about spirits needing to draw energy out of the air to interact with us. And so that the energy around tends to be a hot energy so they'll draw that hot energy out and that's why it gets so cold as well because they're drawing energy from us as well as yep. the air around us so yeah it's a it's a really interesting sign when you can walk into a room and use a heat gun and just check different temperatures around the place because even though it's working on walls and floors and it's not in the air itself it's yep. really interesting one occasion gary and i were doing we we're in a, an asylum and we were both just sitting there and we just started to sweat. And I'm saying to Gary, oh, it's really hot. Like I'm actually starting to sweat here. And we were recording with a voice recorder. And when we played it back, the spirit has gone in there and said, I'm burning. And so we were actually connected into the spirit that was burning. And so again, yeah. we got EVP, electronic voice phenomena to prove that one. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting how spirit interact with us. And then our body, and, and you know this, you know, our body is the best tool for working with spirit. We sense things. If we're open, we're going to see, we're going to feel, we're going to hear, we're going to just connect into it. And that's what's pretty amazing. 
So, Anthony, tell us a bit more about Supernal Magazine and how you got involved with it and what that's all about. As you know, because you've been a supporter of it since day one, I started in 2018 when Nilly rolled a brand new car and a brand new caravan going up the Hume Highway. And you know, we talk about spirit and helping us. I was just driving along by myself doing 90, I remember very clearly, 92 kilometres an hour. And the spirit said in my ear, you're going to lose this. And I went, what? Next thing you know, we just, just as we went over a little rise, the caravan decided to try and pass the car. So I managed to somehow bring it under control. I remember very clearly seeing a, a done-up XA and a Monaro behind them because there was no one else on the road. It was beautiful blue sky. So I pulled up and at that point I said, I've got to get out of this industry. I've got to do something different. And that was my third push from Spirit to say, get Supernal started. So we started Supernal Magazine. It's a free online magazine. And every month we take a sort of a mainstream type topic and we look at it from very different angles. And we have regular columnists. We just videos, interviews. Jared, you've been a part of our podcast a couple of times now and our videos. And it's just what we try and do is educate people about all things spiritual in a non-judgmental, all-inclusive way. And it's a really easy thing. You just subscribe and it's www.supernalmagazineaustralia.com.au and just as a beautiful part of what we do and share our learning and what's out there. That's great. Fantastic. I love your magazine. And something new from us from Organ Effects now that we're heading into the Christmas period. For people who have been aware of what we do at Christmas time, we've always had a Christmas style Stellar Dome. So here is our 2022 Christmas Stellar Dome. I, I love this one. We made the first prototype oh, about three months ago under my instructions, my idea, and our Christmassy Taurus on the bottom. Oh, nice. Works exactly the same as the other Stellar Dome. Just a, a really, really nice piece. Just a limited edition to just for Christmas time. And to go with it, a Stellar Pendant in the same manner. In the same manner. Lovely same ingredient to give that pearl look i've been wearing this one the last three or four expos and showing it off just teasing people oh we want one no you have to wait (laughs) to christmas (laughs) a little christmas present for everybody and without it being like it's sounding too much of a promotional plug i have been using your products pretty much ever since you started manufacturing them I've used them, I've sold them, I continue to use them, continue to sell them, as you know. And I stand by the fact that I don't have to understand how it's all made, how the frequency works. This is just, it works, you know. So, yeah, so the Christmas specials are good. Good, wholesome, homegrown Australian products too. There'll be no shortage here whatsoever. Yeah, no, that's good. Australian made, Australian owned is brilliant. Love the country. We've been through a rough couple of years. So it's all about doing and supporting what we can and manufacturers here in Australia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, this has been great, Anthony. It's been an interesting conversation. We could go on for hours, but however, our time is up. Thanks for coming along today. We'll, we'll do it again in the future and maybe another a year after a few more conversations and a few more experiences <laughs> along the way. That's been fantastic. Thank you very much, Anthony. And thanks for all your information and, and interaction and your stories. There's a lot more out there. I know that for sure. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's brilliant and love all these ghost stories, love what we do and love that we can help people along the way as well. It's a fascinating subject and it's amazing how many people out there are really open to it. Like there's sceptics poo-poo this whole thing because they don't believe in energy, which means that they're all dead anyway. There's another word that goes beyond that, but I won't say it. No. <laughs> I know at Expos, I talk a bit about it and people are just glued to their seats. I just want to hear more and more. Or people come up to me after the Expo and say, I'll tell you about my experiences. And mm-hmm. I've had some really interesting haunted houses experiences over the years. So we'll wrap that up now. Thank you for coming along and look forward 
to another podcast from Organifix Beyond EMF soon. Thank you.